0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Saturday the 22nd of February 2014, entitled Setting the Battle, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. David was a young man after God's own heart. And you know what? We, we only see him come on the scene here in 1 Samuel 16, but can I say this? David was a young man that had already walked with God quite a bit. And young people, you know what? You're, you're in a battle. And we've talked about this many times. Because in this country, I, I can only imagine what you've gone through. See, I, I've, I've been raised in a country where, uh, between where I live and the grocery store, you pass ten churches. By the way, none of them that are, that are ecumenical or don't preach the gospel, every one of them is tried and true and right down the line when it comes to preaching Jesus Christ uh, you know, uh, crucified, buried, and risen again. They all preach the same gospel, but we all seem to be so splintered in our, our fellowship. I don't understand that. I don't know about you, but I, I know that it, just in this city alone, Maybe not where you live, but in this city alone, a city of, I don't know, I guess about eight, and eight million people here in Birmingham. There's, there's a very limited choice to where you can go to church and hear the truth. There's probably the same issue in the city where you live. And young people, you know what? You're in a battle. Well, how do you set the battle? Every one of you in here has to have a game plan. You've got to have some preparation. There's got to be some, some something that's prepared not only in your head, but in your heart about what you're going to do for Christ. Don't just, listen, don't just stick your finger to the wind and say, oh, okay, Lord, this is. How many times have you heard somebody say, Well, I'm just going to do this? I'm just going to let the wind, or I'm just going to flip to a page on the Bible, in the Bible, and I'm going to read that verse, and that's the verse for me today. Really? Don't serve Jesus Christ haphazardly. Have some preparation about yourself. I've said this before. You know what? You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. Let me say it again. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. How many of you in here today, and and don't answer this out loud, but how many of you in here today, not talking about in the next two days that you're at this conference and we have some quiet time before every session, but how many of you in here today could honestly say before God, every single day before I get up and stand upright, vertical, I, I I get on my face, figuratively speaking, and I beg God to do something in my heart. I open the Scripture and read from it daily. If you don't do that, you need to form a habit to where you do. Can I get an amen right there? You need to form a habit to where you have some daily devotion. How do you think that a man by the name of David that we're going to look at walked with God the way he did? It's because he had some daily time that he spent with his heavenly Father. And young people, that's what you got to do. You young people that are going to Bible college, raise your hand. will want you to look at me and, and, and you too that aren't. Because this applies across the board. Don't you let church, don't you let Sunday school, don't you let Wednesday night with the young people, don't you let Bible college take the place of your daily devotion and your walk with God. I can tell you right now as a preacher that the quickest place that I backslid was at Bible college. Because you know what I did, guys? You know what I did, young ladies? I let those times in class try to replace the time that I spent with Jesus Christ. You know what? You're not going to grow in grace on Sunday morning like you do on Tuesday morning in your closet in prayer. I don't expect... I don't expect you to get all this. But you know what? I hope and pray that you'll recall some of this stuff later on when you're going through the dark hours of your life. Because I can tell you right now, you're going to go through them. You say, well, preacher, my life's going pretty good. You better hold on. God will put you in a whirlwind before you know it. You You know why He does that? So you'll get your eyes off of you and get them on Him. He's the only one you can depend upon to be faithful. He's the only one you can call upon when you're in the trial. He's the only one that you can beg uh, to calm the storm. He's the only one. There ain't no self-help book going to help you. There ain't no getting a, a higher esteem of yourself going to help you. You're going to have to call upon Jesus Christ and say, Lord, will you calm this storm? The battle is raging. Well, how do you prepare for it? How do you, how, how do you set yourself in the battle? How do you make some preparation for these dark times? How do you make some, uh, uh, some daily decisions that are going to transform your life and not just make you uh, conform to, to the society that you're around? Well, there's a couple really, really good things I want to give you this morning. I want you to look at 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, and we'll start our reading in verse number 1, and then we'll try to get done before my time is up, all right? First Samuel 16, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long without mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? You understand why that he had been rejected, right? Y'all listening to me this morning? You want to know why he was rejected? Because of disobedience. How many times have we disobeyed our parents and suffered the consequences of it? Amen? <laughs> yeah, some of y'all, tongue and cheek, you're laughing, and you know why. Because you know it never pays to be disobedient. It suffers some tremendous consequences to be, listen, to be disobedient to an earthly mother or father. But think about how much we grieve the heart of God, Frazier, when we disobey our Heavenly Father. Hey, listen, Saul did not obey the command of the prophet when God spoke to him and said, You go and utterly, you utterly destroy all the Amalekites. Don't leave nothing. Don't take nothing. You kill them utterly outright. And you know what Saul did? He took the spoils of the Am- Amalekites. He brought the king in, and Samuel came before him and said, What is this that I hear? I hear the bleating of sheep in my ear. And Saul said, Well, man, you know, I mean, there's no reason for us to take, kill all of it, is it? Well, that's what God said. How many of y'all would agree with me that delayed obedience is disobedience? Delayed obedience is disobedience. See, when you, don't, when you, when you delay in obeying what God speaks to you about, that's just as much as being defiant and rebellious as if you were to blatantly just say right at that moment, you know what, I am not going to do what you asked me to do, Lord. Some of you in here right now are battling with the will of God in your life. You better learn real quick in your life to run the white flag up and surrender right now when God speaks to you because you know what? It's a scary thing to have the judgment of God on your life. Saul had it. God rejected him. God said, I can't use Saul anymore because of his open disobedience. And he said, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to anoint somebody to be king over Israel. How many of y'all would agree with me that God is sovereign? Amen? That's something we don't want to touch a lot because we're scared to death of it. But God's sovereign. God can do whatever He wants to do. What an amazing thought. To think that the God who created every star we see the God who created every planet in our solar system. The God who made the universe spoken into existence. He told Jeremiah, guys, he said, before I formed you in your mother's belly, I knew you. Hey, listen, Frazier. before my mama ever got a vision of my little face and said, oh my word, <laughs> Danica. Before my mother even looked at me, God saw me. I stand before you today as a as a not listen, not just a lump. I listen, I'm a life. God created me. And before He formed me in my mother's belly, he knew me, guys. He sanctified me. You know what the word sanctified means, don't you? He set me apart and anointed me and anointed you as His child to be a light in a dark and dying world. Every single one of you in here, you know what? God knew you. That's how sovereignty is. And God did not make a mistake when He made you. You are precious to Him. He wants you to be His servant. I don't know of another fact in life that is more humbling and unreachable for me is to know that the God that don't need anybody or anything would choose Panos to want me to serve Him. David was a man who had seen that. He was a young man who was a man after God's own heart. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you like for God, if He came down here in physical form and stood before us, looked at you and said, you know what? That is a young lady after my heart. That's a young man after my heart. You know what? We like to be complimented, don't we? My, you look good today. You know, don't don't we like to be complimented? Amen? Well, at least I got one over here that says, I like it, you know. I mean, we like to have people give us compliments. There's, listen, there's nothing that excites me and thrills me more than for somebody to come up after I've made a mess of a sermon and say, God spoke to me through what you said. I, that's pretty complimenting to me. But you know what? It's more complimenting than when we get an accolade or a kind word from the God of the universe about us. See, here, here's the thing, young people. I want you to listen to this. God and His sovereignty, okay? God in His sovereignty has made some choices. He chose right here. Look at what He did. He said, I've rejected Saul from being reigning over Israel. Look at the rest of verse number 1. He said, Samuel, I want you to fill your horn with oil and go and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided me a king among his sons. He says, you know what? There's rebellion, there's rejection, there's open, absolute pagan idolatry going on in Israel. He said, but in the midst of all of that, I have chosen me a king that will reign. You know what I love about God and His sovereignty is, number one, I want you to write these down. God's choices in his listen God's choices that he makes for us and the, the choices that God makes we talk about our choices God's choices are sovereign number 1 they're sovereign in their providence they're sovereign in their providence you say what do you mean he said you know what times are tough Things are hard. Saul has, listen, been rejected because of his disobedience. And Benjamin, he said, you know what? Even in the midst of all the mistakes and all the failures and all the idolatry, he said, in my sovereignty, I have raised up one that will lead my nation. There's somebody in here right now, and you know what? God's been speaking to you about standing up. You know what I love about the children of... The children of Israel, those, those, those Hebrew boys, when everybody else in Babylon was bowing down to that golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar, when they were bowing down, you know what, those three Hebrew boys stood up and all the millions were bowing. And I'll tell you this, you are easily conspicuous when you stand up while everybody else is bowing down. You're going to be picked out. You are going to stand out like a sore thumb when you stand up while everybody else is bowing down. It's time for some people in this room to stand up for Jesus, to stand up. We're getting ready to go in the city center. Listen, if you don't have some boldness when you go out there, you're going to be picked apart. You see, that's what I love about a team. You know, Tim, a team, you know, we're not out there doing it as individuals. We get out there collectively as a group, and you know what? If... If you're not careful, I've done it before. You just get lost in the moment of worship and you don't even think about the people that's walking by. You don't even think about the people that's scoffing and saying, ah, oh, you're, you're a bunch of dummies and you're a bunch of stupid people. You know what? I, you don't even think about it because you, you're lost in worship. But you know what? If you sit there and you cower down and you wonder, well, I wonder if some of my friends are in the city center, you know, and man, they see me singing about Jesus, they're going to think I'm some kind of freak. You don't have to worry about that. Because just as, just as Samuel, the same one, on his deathbed, told the people of Israel, you know what? He said, you can't, you can't live your life like the rest of the world. You know what? We are to live in the world, aren't we? But we're not to live like the world. We're to be in the world, but not of it. And you know what? Listen, Samuel on his deathbed, the the God of heaven spoke to him and he said, you tell the people of Israel not to choose a king like the rest of the nations around them. And he gave them warning. And you know what they did? They said, we want a king like everybody else. And he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a king like that. I'm going to give you a king like that. But I want you to understand something really, really, really well. I'm going to give you that king, but you're going to lose something in the process. You're going to lose your daughters, you're going to lose your sons, and they're going to be made slaves and bakers and, and confectionaries, and they're going to be put into slavery. And you know what? When you side, and when you make choices, listen, God's choices are sovereign. They're sovereign in their providence. Not only that, but they're sovereign in their planning. Isn't it amazing how God... Somebody told me one time, Ramani, if you want to make God laugh, tell Him your plans. You wanna make God chuckle? You tell him what you're gonna do. Well, I'm gonna do this, by the time I'm 30, I'm gonna have an IRL, I'm gonna have a job, I'm gonna move, we're gonna have a little house, we're gonna have three dogs, two and a half kids. I don't know how we'd have two and a half kids. You know, in, in the states, we do, these, we do these Gallup polls and they say, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the statistic says that there are 2.4 children in every household in North Carolina. How do you get .4 of a child? I don't understand it. But you know, that's what we think. This is what we're going to do. By the time I'm 45, I'm going to have enough money set aside. You know what? You don't know what's even going to happen tomorrow. Why? And I know we've got to prepare, and that's what we're talking about. But you know what? God makes no mistakes. He said, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Are you going to trust God? I mean, really, guys? You're going to trust God because you know what? Just as we're talking about a team, Tim, you know what? When you've got a team and you're out there at that city center and you understand that the God of heaven is already foreordained that we're going to go out there today and He said, I'm going to protect you, I will provide for you, and I'll be the peace that passes understanding when you go through the trial and when you go through difficulty, why can't we trust Him in the little things? We, some of you in here, you know what? You've got great faith when it comes to some of the great big things in life, but what about the little things? What about the small things in life? Some of you in here right now, you know what? You hadn't called a friend that you know is going through a hard time. You sit around and you debated, well, you know what? We had a little, we had a little, we had a little division there, and I don't know if I need to call them. It might be tense. And, you know, why don't you just get over yourself? Just get over yourself and call that friend and make it right and say, you know what, I'm praying for you. I love you. I know we had a little difficulty. I know we had a little division, but that shouldn't change our friendship and shouldn't nothing come between us when it comes to our love for one another because we're co-laborers together in Christ. See, that's what I love about going out to City Center, Tim. We can lock arms. You you stand out there by yourself, and I'm going to tell you, it's tough. I found out something, guys. The longer that I do this and the older I get, the more I realize, Ramani, that anybody can go and preach at big old churches, mega churches, and thousands and thousands of people. Easy to do that. You know what it takes real, you know what it takes real guts to do? Is to go to that one lone person and minister to them one-on-one. You know why? It's because it takes sacrifice. To disciple somebody, to go to somebody individually... You know what, I've gone to the days in my life where I could care less whether I preach in megachurches, I don't care. I love this right here better than I do anything in the world. I mean, I love, this is what I live for. This is like, I mean, this, I, I'm not being ugly, but this is like, this is like a, a, it's like crack, I mean, to me. I mean, it just makes, honestly, man, this is, it's just, just charred me up. You know, it's Christian crack. I mean, I don't know what you're going to else you're going to call. It just does something for me. To see young people I know y'all think I'm crazy. Now you know I am. (laughs) But that's what it feels. I'm telling you, it does something. You don't have I'm telling you what, he's enough. I have found out, guys, that he is all you need. He's enough. And what charges me up is there's still some young people that want to serve Christ. I can't even get I can't even get this in in where, where I live. I can't even get young people where I live in a nation that you know for years has been called a Christian nation. I can't even get young people in my own country to come together like this. You don't understand what a rare privilege you have. You stand out on that corner by yourself, it's tough. I could take one pencil, Peter, and I could break it rather easily. You put 40 of them together... And I can promise you right now, you show me a man or a young man in this room. that Take forty pencils, put them together, and, and break all of them. I want you on my team. Amen. I, swear, I want you on my team. If you do that, there's, there's. Listen, there's power in numbers. But let me say this: God is sovereign in His choices. He's sovereign. In, listen, they're sovereign in their providence. They're sovereign in their planning. Won't you think about this with me? You know, David, if you look at his ancestry, do you understand that David had... If you go all the way back, there was a lady by the name of Rahab. Y'all ever heard of Rahab? Huh? Okay, you know who Rahab was? You know what she was? Anybody know what she was? What was she? She's a prostitute, okay? She married a man by the name of Simon. You know what they did? They had a little bitty boy. His name was Boaz. You know who Boaz was, don't you? He married a Gentile Moabite woman named who? Ruth, you know what? They are the great-grandparents of David who was the king of Israel. Do you think, don't you think God has a sense of humor? He would choose Rahab and Ruth to be in the lineage of our Savior. And I think the reason He does that is because He says, you know what, I want everybody in this room right here to know today, I want all of you to know that I'm the one that's sovereign over this thing. I'm the one that makes decisions. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? God's choices are sovereign in, number one, their providence. They're sovereign in their planning. But I want you to see something else. Look at verse number 2. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. And Jesse to the, and, and called Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint him, uh, me, thou shalt now anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. Now listen, he said, I'm going to send you. Here's what we do. We think that God is going to give us some great great revelation and put some great power on us, and then we're going to go out there and do a great work for God. You know what God says? I want to send you out there first, and while you're out there serving me, that's when I'm going to give you that great power. And you want to know why He does that, Benjamin? It's so the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus may be of Him and not of us. See, God's... Choices are sovereign, number one, in their providence, number two, in their planning, but number three, in their power. God says, I have anointed, I have chosen me a king who will reign over my nation Israel. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life. What's Jeremiah 29, 13 say? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace, not of evil to give you a future. Well, you just don't understand, preacher. God's dealt me a bad hand. Life's tough. I want to know anybody in here who hadn't gone through a trial. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. Everybody has difficult times. It's what you do and how you use those difficult times. Number one, I want you to see God's choices are sovereign, but number two, I want you to see God's choices are surprising. You say, Preacher, what do you mean? Why don't you look what happens next? I've got to finish here in just a second. Samuel goes before Jesse, and it came to pass, look at verse 6, when they uh, were come uh, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is standing before me. Now, here's what's surprising. Is't it amazing what God does and what God uses? We, we, we think that God's going to only use that which is attractive, that which has got a lot of ability. God's only going to use that which is, you know, got fame and fortune, and that's what God's going to use. No, it's not. God's choices are sovereign, but they're surprising. They're surprising to me. Number one, they're surprising in in, in their rejection. You know what God rejected? God rejected a man by the name of Saul, who if he walked in this room today, King Saul would have stood head and shoulders above anybody else in this room. He would have stood out. But not because of his character. It was because of his stature. Young people, it don't matter what you look like. Don't matter how buff you get, don't matter how beautiful you are, young lady, God chooses, sometimes in most some of the most surprising ways. See, Eliab was a man whose name means God is Father. He stood before Samuel, all oh, listen, and Jesse brought his sons, and Eliab came, and these are the three eldest that stood before him. And he looked at Eliab and he said, Man, surely God's anointed standing before me. And God whispered in the ear of his prophet and said, Samuel, be careful. You're looking on the outward appearance. He said, But I look on the heart. Now, before you go ahead and say that and, and get all critical and say, Well, that's exactly right. God, listen, man looks on the outward and only God looks on the heart. Let me ask you something. If man can't see the heart, what does he have to look at? If a man, if we as human beings can't see inside the heart of somebody, then what do we have to look at? Only the outward. You say, preacher, what's your point? Thank you all to have a life that demonstrates the, the life and power of Christ on the outside because that's really all we got to look at anyway. I can't see your heart. All I got to go by is what's on the outside. Now I'm not talking about I'm not talking as much about standards. You know that's what we've done sometimes, haven't we? We have focused so long in Christian circles on hemlines and haircuts and the outward appearance, instead of looking at God's holiness. You know what, young people? The fact of the matter is, they're not going to have to send out questionnaires and and, and forms and you check off whether, and, and, and people look at your life and check off, well, hey, that, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. no, no. you know what, know what? nobody's going to have to do that. If you are a believer, and you're living your life for Christ, and you've been surrendered and sanctified, and you've been set apart, you know what, nobody's going to have to sit there and look and take a little test of whether you are or not. It's going to show. It's going to show. See, God's choices are surprising, number one, and it's rejection. And I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make a statement, and I want you to write this down. Number one, God's choices are surprising, and number one, they're rejection, but number two, they're requirements. God has not chosen you in His sovereignty because of your ability. If He's going to choose you, it'll be because of your availability. If God chooses, listen, and when God chooses you, He does not choose you because of your a singing ability because of the way you look. He chooses you based upon the intent of your heart and how much you're going to be a follower of Christ. But God's choices are surprising in its reception. You know, it's funny to me that most of the time the people that surrender their life and do the will of God are those that usually look like the most unlikely to do it. You know the ones that scare me? are the ones that know and do it and have the ability. That crowd scares me because, see, you know what? Be quite honest with you, Gareth. I'm not a very talented guy. I'm really not. So, man, memorize Scripture, man. You can preach. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you in this room don't realize I have to stay up in the wee hours of the morning. I have to lose sleep and I have to beg God to give me something to give you. It's stuff, hey, listen, this don't come, this is only by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not a naturally talented guy. What scares me is the, that crowd that is. Because you're the ones that think that you're going to do it and you can do it. And you know what? Sometimes you don't even have to, think, you know what? Now I can just kind of, I can kick it, into, kick it into coasting gear and I can do this because I've done it all my life. And God said, okay. Would y'all agree with me that God is sovereign? Say amen. But would you all also agree with me that we have choices to make? They both in the Bible, you understand that, right? God is sovereign, but you've got a choice to make. What are you going to do? If God's choices are sovereign and they're surprising, let me say something else and I'm going to close with this. God's choices are specific. Not only are they sovereign, not only are they surprising, but, Brother Nathan, they are specific. You know who God... You know why they're specific, Tim? Because God chooses those that are ready. God chooses those that are ready. Eliab stood before the prophet. God said, listen, you've looked on the outward, but I look on the heart. Then Abinadab. Abinadab means nobility. This is a man that was noble, Tim. And Samuel looked at him and said... How can this not be? And God said, nope. <laughs> yeah, God did say nope. And then Shammah stood before him. The three eldest sons, probably those that were literally head and shoulders with everybody else, the ones that were going to be in the battle, we're going to look at in 1 Samuel 17, those three eldest sons went to battle against the Goliath, against the giant. By the way, they stood up on the mountaintop looking down, scared to death. And David, matter of fact, here's how insignificant David was when all the other sons, Pastor, had been rejected. He said, Jesse, you got any more? He said, you know what, I forgot. He didn't even mention his name. Nathan, he said, my youngest is feeding and tending the sheep. He said, well, go get him. Can you imagine when David came in? This was a young man that had already already written songs. He was the one that wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. While he was tending the sheep, God gave him a revelation. He said, David, you're tending all these sheep and you're the protector, provider. You're the leader and the feeder of these sheep. But understand that I am your shepherd. And David stood before him as a 14-year-old boy. And could you imagine when all of those oldest sons stood there and watched their little bitty brother Frazier as Samuel took the anointing oil and poured it over his head? And it ran down his face. And that's a picture of the, the feeling of the Spirit. It's a picture of the anointing of God. Didn't, don't God do some funny things? If you don't think He does, look who's preaching to you this morning. God does some funny things. God's choices are sovereign. They're surprising, but they're specific. You know why God chooses people? Because number one, He chooses those that are ready. David said, you know what? I'm tending the sheep, but I'll be willing to do whatever. And I love this fact. After he was even anointed, you know what he did? He went back and obeyed his father's command and went back and tended the sheep after he was already an anointed king of Israel. He chooses those that are ready. Not only that, but he chooses those that are reliable. Can you be dependent upon? Now, I'm not asking you to ask your your peers in here if you're trustworthy. I want to know if God thinks you're trustworthy. Are you reliable? Because God's choices are specific, and the people that he's going to choose to use him to use is number one, people that are ready, number two, people that are reliable, but number three, people who are redeemed. Have you been saved? Truly saved. I'm going to tell you right now, you say, "Well, preacher, I don't think you know that. I don't even think you can believe that you can know before you get there. I can promise you based upon what the Bible says and not what Brian says. That if you try to walk this life and walk around all your Christian life doubting whether or not you're going to go to heaven, you will be defeated. And the Scripture says He wants us to live victoriously, not defeated. There's a lot of things that we hope. I hope the weather's not as cold when we get out to city center. Amen? I hope it don't start raining. I hope that little sausage market is open that's right across... No, I'm just playing. I hope, well, we hope for a lot of things, don't we? Hope's a great word, but at its best, it's temporary. I can tell you an eternal word, and that is the word K-N-O-W. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know who I am, have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. God's choices are on those, listen, the specific choice of God is on those that are number one ready, number two, reliable, and number three, redeemed. Don't you sit around defeated the rest of your life? I made this statement the other night. You know, if Tim and I come up to one another, Tim, and we hold lock arms like this, and you got a hold of my arm and I got a hold of yours, and let's say you're the Lord, okay? Right? And, uh, and, I'm, and, and I'm me. You know what? Old Brian can let go sometimes, can't he? We, we tend to let go and try to walk away from the Lord and try to get away from Him, but guess what? God don't let go. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand, for My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man will be able to pluck them out of My Father's hand, because I, Jesus said, and My Father are He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen Him. Let me ask you a question. In setting this battle, have you understand that God has chosen you and sanctified you and set you apart and wants to use you in a great way? He's sovereign. He's sovereign. I'm telling you this, though, he's surprising, isn't he? He's a very surprising God. But number three, he's specific. Who would have ever thought that God would have chosen a little shepherd boy to lead his nation? Say, Preacher, I ain't much. Well, then you're ready. I'm scared. Well, then you're even more ready. We get nervous. We get have some trepidation. But I promise you this. Where He leads me, I hope and pray you say, I will follow. Let's pray. Father, we love You. Thank You so much for Your goodness. I pray that You'd just bless in the discussion time to come and bless in the next session. We'll love You and praise You. In Jesus' name, amen.